0: Welcome to Living the Questions, a podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Cheyenne. Thank you for joining us. Here on Living the Questions, we wrestle. We wrestle with life's dilemmas, we wrestle with current events, and we wrestle with what it means to live lives of integrity. We hope that you find some community, some comfort, and some hope in this time together. To learn more about our congregation, you can visit our website at uucheyenne.org. Welcome all to our podcast for this week. Normally, I invite us to wrestle with a question, but uh, today I'm going to invite us maybe to dance or to run or to... uh, Play hopscotch or jump rope with a question. Because our question this week is How can imagination and play help us cultivate hope? How can imagination and play help us cultivate hope? And sometimes when things are so serious, when there are just literal life and death news stories all the time, it can feel incongruous. Um, to talk about play and playfulness. But I think that uh, more than ever, we need some of that engagement with this part of our brains that is designed for play. So get your dancing shoes on and let's dive in. So to get started with our dance, with our question about play and imagination and how that helps us have hope, um, we're going to start by looking at kind of the news this week um, and how this question can help us make sense of the news this week and how this question can help us um, interrogate the news this week. And the big news this week is that uh, we have a new president and a new vice president and there are so many firsts, so many feelings, so much um, hope, so much anxiety, so much trauma um, wrapped up in, in what was ultimately like sort of an uneventful inauguration um, compared to in some ways the previous two weeks leading up to it. Um, and so rather than like dive into all of those really serious and important dimensions of the inauguration, I want to talk about a meme. So um, for those of you who don't know, a meme is like a funny internet thing, usually a picture. And uh, memes are things that then uh, people edit and make their own. And so it's a way that it's sort of like a giant social media collaborative art project using uh, a photo of sometimes regular people um, or famous people. And in this case, I want to talk about a meme of Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders was at the inauguration on Wednesday, and he was wearing, uh, I think what folks in Wyoming will recognize as a very practical outfit. He was wearing just like a regular parka and these amazing, um, like knit sweater mittens, and like sidebar, those mittens were actually made I think by a school teacher who makes them from recycled sweaters and is like it sounds really amazing, and they look really cozy and incredible, and so there was a photo taken of Bernie Sanders kind of sitting alone in his folding chair at the inauguration, um, with his legs crossed and his hands folded. You know, looking like, like I imagine any of us would look if we were outside in the cold waiting for an event to start. So, uh, so people saw this me, this photo of Bernie Sanders, right? This photo of Bernie Sanders sitting like kind of grumpily in his chair. Um, or s- there's like another one of him standing and he's carrying like a manila envelope, Um And people saw this and just really latched on to how incongruous this was with the sort of fancy dress outfits that everyone else was wearing at the inauguration. And uh, people just started um, photoshopping this image of Bernie Sanders kind of like grumpily sitting in his chair into all kinds of situations, um, like... Just anything. There's ones with Big Bird. There's ones with um, Jay and Silent Bob. There's ones uh, where he's photoshopped onto the Starship Enterprise. There's ones where he's photoshopped um, into a se- like famous scenes from movies. There's like like multiple Star Wars ones. Um, right? There's just all kinds of things. And I think as a parent, maybe my favorite is that um, there's one where he's photoshopped onto the page of Goodnight Moon, where it says, you know, Goodnight Kittens and Goodnight Mittens. Well... Bernie Sanders is on the Goodnight Mittens page. And so yesterday afternoon an evening, you know, and I had just been like having a stressful day for reasons unrelated to our nation's democracy. Uh, and I saw all of these Bernie memes. And I just, like, I just felt myself start kind of laughing uncontrollably about just the delightful absurdity of this, like, very thoughtful, important leader, Senator Bernie Sanders, being a regular person, looking grumpy and cold at an outdoor event in his parka, um, and just how there was, there was just, like, some urge in us collectively that we needed to laugh, right? Like, we needed to find some way to laugh, to have fun, to... Just, like, relish the absurdity of it all. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I feel like these Bernie memes became so popular so fast. Is that it was just this, like, group, hilarious, catharsis, belly laugh thing that we all really needed. And it was a a reminder about how, like, how important comedy is as it relates to current events. Um, And not just sort of the like, not like, not just satire, right? Where you're, you're, it's comedy that's designed to make you think, but just like, it's funny because it's kind of absurd. And we're all just like laughing together at the same thing in a spirit, you know, not of derision, but of delight. And so when I think about this question of how play and how imagination help us, you know, develop that hope muscle in our lives. Um, I think about how important it is to to just delight, to find things that delight us, to do things that delight us, to make art that delights us, to make memes that delight us, um, as a way to just to laugh together. And so however you can find it, um, I invite you to find a way to just laugh together, whether it's with people in your own house or people on the internet um, at a, you know, a meme of Bernie Sanders in his chair as the fly on Mike Pence's head, right? Whatever it is, however you're laughing, to just find a moment to take what is absurd in our world and laugh To ground us in our Unitarian and Universalist and Unitarian Universalist history and theology, as we dance with this question of how play helps us have hope and helps us cultivate hope, um, I want to reach back into um, a piece of recent history. Uh, So I grew up Unitarian Universalist and uh, back... Back in my day, uh, we called Ministry with Youth um, YRUU, or Young Religious Unitarian Universalists. Um, And in YRUU, there was this, like, what I would almost describe as, like, the play Bible of YRUU and youth ministry. And it was called Deep Fun, Deep fun, Um, and somewhere in my life I have a PDF of Deep Fun, Um, and Deep Fun was essentially a guide to using games to build community, and it kind of moved through these multiple layers, and you know, beginning with icebreakers, and then going into the kind of get to know you, and then the, you know, the trust building and the risk taking. And so it was essentially just like a guide of how to play your way into community building. And I think that that kind of engagement of games and of imagination and of play as a way to deepen our sense of who we are as a people, um, that that has really stuck with me from my own upbringing as a Unitarian Universalist and my own time in why are you you and youth group and those sorts of things. Um, and I think that that's a thread that is often found in people who grow up in our communities is this um, modality of play as a way to build community and as a way to then make change. Um And uh, anyone in our congregation who has ever been to one of the leadership retreats that I've facilitated um, knows that I will uh, make you do these sorts of things at our leadership retreats. You know, I will make you toss a beanbag around and talk about, I think we, I remember one we did was where we tossed a beanbag around and we were talking about the commitments um, that we have. And uh, uh, it was just this really amazing moment of, right, like, you were trying not to drop this beanbag that we were tossing around while also sort of, at least for me, right, thinking about all of those balls in your life that you're like, oh, gosh, I don't want to drop that ball about school or work or, you know, my volunteer commitments or sports or whatever. And so I think it was uh, this moment where we got to take the thing we were talking about and actually have a physical embodied experience of it. And that, I think, is one of the things that I love so much about that kind of like old school, why are you, you like game learning approach to community building is that it creates opportunities for embodied learning um, that are fun and that are silly um, and that invite us to get vulnerable. Because right? the truth is that playing and imagining, it feels silly for um, certainly adults and to some extent youth, might it feels silly to us because we have been taught that the way that you do, you know, like serious community building is serious. rather than it's an act of creativity. And so in order to be creative, we have to be playful and imaginative. And in order to do those things, we have to do things that make us feel foolish compared to how we usually are or that that, that ask for some vulnerability from us, um, that ask us to be willing to do something kind of goofy and uh, in doing that become vulnerable and in becoming vulnerable deepen our relationship and our sense of community. And the way that that, I feel like for me, kind of points towards hope is that it points toward the idea that we can do something new, That the way that we are right now is not the way that we have to be in the future. And that the work of playful imagination is always, always, always for me a reminder that the way things are is not the way they have to be. And that if we are willing to play together, that we can find new ways of doing things. As a parent of an almost 2-year-old, I think a lot about play. I think a lot about, you know, why children play, I think about what, how to create an environment that's conducive to play, I think about, you know, age-appropriate play and like how to and have play be enriching and all. so yeah. I think a lot about play and about the role that it plays in how we learn um, because our daughter, who's almost two, you know, she can't learn, like, classroom instruction style, right? I cannot give her a lecture about uh, what the farm animals say and expect that she will remember the next day what the farm animals say. Um, and in- instead, she learns by playing. She learns by singing songs, Like, oh my gosh, old McDonald every day of her life forever and ever. Amen. Um, She learns by playing with little plastic farm animals. Um, She learns by reading. Right? Obviously, she is not reading. We are reading to her. But she learns through all of these different methods and modalities. And it's been amazing to watch her grow in that way and to watch her do new things as she learns new things, right? That um, I remember the first time she engaged in the sort of imaginative play with a baby doll where she wanted to feed it um, and put a diaper on it and comb its hair. And it was just this moment for me of recognizing like, oh, you are using this as, you know, kind of a learning lab for how to do things in the rest of your life. And um, Dr. Laura Bongiorno, who's the director of um, an early childhood education program at Champlain College, you know, describes it that when we think about the relationship between learning and play, um, that it's sort of like a science class where you have a lecture component and a lab component. And that for children, um, play is the lab component of learning. It's where they get to put it all into practice. And I would argue that play is the lab component of learning for all of us um, because it's a place where we get to put things into practice, where we get to try things out, um, where we get to, you know, as my, like, absolute idol, Miss Frizzle would say, you know, "Make, make mistakes, get messy. And so as we are at this sort of moment where it, in our country, here in the United States, where it feels like there is so much stress and so much chaos and so much, you know, trauma and so much death and so much anxiety that is just so pervasive. I think about how important it is for us to find ways to, you know, to have a a laboratory where we can play with the idea that there is a better world that is coming into being, that there's a more just world, um, a healthier world, um, a more fair world, a more loving world coming into being. And it can be easy to get so bogged down in, you know, maybe the lecture half of existence that we forget about that lab part, that laboratory part where we have to try out new ideas before we can feel ready to, you know, fully implement them or whatever it may be. And so I think that when I when I dance with this question and just turn it over in my mind about how imagination and play can help us cultivate hope. I think for me, it's that they give us a laboratory. They give us a laboratory where we don't have to be 100% right in order to try something. right? We don't have to be 100% sure that this is going to be the way that we can build this more loving, just world. Um, In order to try it. And, um, you know, I was listening to a webinar with leaders from the Unitarian Universalist Association today. um, And one of them was the Reverend Ashley Haran, who is the organizing strategy director for the UUA. And she talked about how, um, you know, even for folks, and I, you know, I would count myself among them, I think, for whom, you know, maybe Joe Biden is not your like, your man in the role of president, Um, right, even for those of us who might have wished for a more progressive candidate or whatever it might be, you know, just the reality that Donald Trump is no longer president um, is creating sort of this, like, release of built-up and pent-up stress and trauma Um, and that it's coming, like, and that we're feeling it in our bodies, And so when we, like, when we feel those sorts of trauma releases in our bodies, it's important that we are responsive to that and are responsive to that embodied experience of change, right? It's important that we are attuned to that embodied experience of change. And so play And things that, you know, sometimes some of us feel are silly in meetings or stuff like that. But, you know, stretch breaks and energy breaks and opportunities to just like have a dance party and uh, that kind of stuff, that those are actually part of how we process change in our world. And so I think like cultivating those pieces and the other piece that um, the Reverend Ashley Haran talked about Was that that sort of release of some of that pent up stress and trauma and anxiety? Is that it is placing us at this moment of, you know, she described it as pivoting from a modality of resistance towards a modality of dreaming. Right? Moving from just this sense of like, we need to like resist the awful things being perpetrated with. Are the fullness of our beings and pivoting into that space of, like, okay. And so, what are we if we're not resisting the most awful things? What are we building to go in their place, right? What are we going to build instead? And um, and so, I think about again that laboratory, and how badly I feel like, and maybe you feel too, like, like we need this laboratory where we can experiment, right? Where we can, um, before we go out and build it out of real bricks in our world, right? We can sort of build it out of Legos first, if that makes sense. You know, build the model, test it out, see how it feels, you know, try out something that might feel absurd, but that might lead us to a new place. And, uh, um, you know, moving into that space of, playful imagination. Because just like uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would talk about, you know, how peace is not just an absence of conflict, it's a presence of justice. I think about that in the terms of, you know, hope is not just the absence of trauma or tragedy or awful things. Hope is the presence of a new world being anticipated. Hope is the presence of new ideas, of possibility, of um, things coming into being. And so part of how we get those things to come into being is through play and through imagination and through being willing, like I said earlier, to be vulnerable together. The world needs play. We need each other to engage this piece of ourselves that so many of us as adults have forgotten or left behind, Um, this part of us that needs a laboratory to wonder, to experiment, to find new ways of being and doing, and in that, maybe a little hope. Thank you for listening. Your presence matters to us. Whether you are here in Cheyenne or across the globe, we are grateful that you would spend this time with us. If you'd like to connect more with our community, you can visit our website at uucheyenne.org. I'm the Reverend Hannah roberts Villeneuve, and on behalf of a grateful community, thank you. We'll see you soon.